0: some things cleaned out got some things organized and uh you know just we're able to be a blessing in so many ways so thank you for being involved in that and uh yeah so praise the lord all right it seems like there might be another praise out there um, but that i'm missing nobody's got it because i don't need it. okay breezy give it to us And Breezy has two brothers who have homes in that area. Miss them too. Well, let's give God a hand for that. Praise the Lord. Amen. And let's keep all those folks, our neighbors in Andover, in the Augusta area, in prayer that got hit by that tornado. Let's keep them in prayer. Lord bless you. All right. Praise God. Well, this morning, we're going to continue to launch into our study of the book of Acts. And. Um, you know, it's, we've kind of come to a chapter where we've got to stall a little bit uh, because there's more to talk about than when we first broached it. And I'm, and I'm excited to talk about it. You know why I'm excited? What's kind of funny is we used to go to Mexico on a mission trip every, every two years. And we've been doing that for years. And uh, our youth just went to a different place, but that's kind of in transition right now. But what's so funny about it is every time we were heading out of the country, we were all sitting in the van and invariably, we would sit around and go, man, we're gonna learn Spanish next time. You know, I've been going down to Mexico forever, right? I'm old and I've been going since college and stuff. And I've said the same thing, but I get around, you know, dos tacos, that works. (laughs) You know, that's about (laughs) all I need Or, or donde, Esta la baño, or el baño, or whatever, you know, where's the bathroom, and things like that, so I have enough Spanish to get around, but we always would talk and say, man, we're going to get it, we're going to get it, in fact, we were talking this one time, and we said, man, we're either going to buy the Rosetta Stone, or we're going to have Sarah, my daughter-in-law, who's fluent in Spanish, we're going to have her teach us and do a small group on Spanish, we're going to hit it, and then one of my sons got going, dude, I'm going to put 20 down right now, right now. That you guys will not be any more fluent in Spanish two years from now as you are today. And I, you know, he was right. <laughs> he was right. Because we talked about it all the time. And you know what it's like, right? Life happens. We have priorities. We work on certain things. We have a lot of hopes and dreams or things that we want to do. But those only the things that are above the priority line get addressed. And the other things kind of get pushed aside. And that's what happens and happened to us with our language study. We just stayed with our native language. It was comfortable. It wasn't foreign to us where Spanish was. Um, and it's just human nature to stay with what you're comfortable with, what you know, what you've experienced. It's easier to stay there because it's more, much more difficult to change, to grow, to believe for something totally new. And you know, some of us have done that We've done this also in our faith, right? We've done this with spiritual gifts even, especially with more sensational ones. We've come into the church, we've accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior, and then we kind of stop in our culture. Because in a lot of places, you don't get the whole gospel, that you're supposed to come to Jesus the Lord and Savior, and then you're supposed to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we think that just happens without us knowing anything about it. It doesn't just happen. Yeah, Christ comes and lives in your heart. He's promised to come live in your heart, and he does through his spirit. But he's also promised to give us power. We just read that in Acts 1, to be witnesses. It's not like you have to work it up like the old covenant, because it's the law, so you got to do what you should do. No, you're going to be filled with this power, and the natural result will be you'll be a witness, because you won't help but be able to be a witness. And so we, but once we've come into the church, some of us have forgotten about waiting on the Holy Spirit. Right? And then we've kind of pushed aside gifts like prophecy or miracles. Could God really do a miracle through me? Well, there are different types of miracles. Different ways that miracles can work. What about gifts of healing? Uh, We wonder, well, you know, if it ever was a gift, That was a gift for way back then, not for today. Whoever told you that? That's not true. Not true in any way, shape, or form. And then what about the gift of tongues? Oh my gosh, now we're getting weird. We're getting off on the deep end somewhere. We're going out there. You know, we practice our faith, but we've kept some of these things at an arm's length, haven't we? We've just kind of put them off to the wayside and considered them to be a little more sensational a little bit They're more outliers. They're not really necessary We can keep moving on and get to heaven and we don't really need them I'm here this morning to tell you that's not a way to grow in Jesus and be happy in Jesus That's a way to go stale That's a way to go backwards Because if you're not growing, what are you doing? You're dying and you're going backwards. We tell ourselves, well, I can just stay the same, and I can get through this, and it can be okay, but that's not the truth. It, when you stay the same, you never do stay the same. You either go back or you go forward. And so I want to unlock the heavy gate. Uh, I want to unlock the heavy gate over your closed mind or my closed mind and our closed hearts, and I hope you can open it up. And I want you to take a new simple look at the gifts of the book of Acts, In the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about this gift that was in Acts 2 as well, this gift of tongues or spiritual language. Um, We want to take a look at that today, and we want to define it. I've done that maybe once before in the church, but I want to do it again, and we want to define it, and we want to define it because there have been abuses. And and, and the reason Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 13 and 14, were because of those abuses. And so there were, have been abuses. We've experienced abuses, but we've thrown out the baby with the bathwater. And, and I'm here to tell you, that's not to our, it's to our detriment that we've done that. You don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. So this morning, do you, ha- do you feel like you have a good grasp on this biblical gift of tongues? Are, are you good with it? Are you accepting it? Or are you cringing with right now as I'm beginning to talk about it, and and would you even be cringing if we exercise that gift? Would that just okay? No. So here we're going to begin this morning, and we're going to read some of the flagship passages that really speak about this promise, baptism in the Holy Spirit. And and we said we'd get that. That would give us motivation and power and guidance to be Christ's witnesses. But also, in the midst of that, the Bible tells us that there were tongues that came like fire. They lit upon all the disciples who were gathered. And what did they do? They spoke in other tongues. We want to talk about this gift of tongues. This tongue that declared God's wonder in an unknown language. So, if you've got a Bible, you're going to open it up to Acts chapter 2. And then we'll look into 1 Corinthians as well. Read with me God's word. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place because they were told to stay together and wait in Jerusalem for the gift the Father had promised in chapter one. And so they're all in one place and they were praying. And it says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Must have been a pretty big house because remember there was 120 that were there, not just the 12. There were at least 120 there. And it filled the whole place where they were sitting. They saw what seemed, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. 120. Not 12. Not just the apostles, but the disciples. That's a revelation to some people that I just read that this morning because. We get so locked in because we, we, we listen to a lot of hearsay. That's what was happening here, according to the book of Acts. And let's keep going. And it says that separating came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews. Why? Because it was Pentecost. So they had all gathered God fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Could you imagine if that were to happen here today? Uh, and, and we have the doors open, or at least we have one door open, and, and people were to hear us all speaking in a different language? Uh, it'd be crazy. Especially if the world had gathered around here for some reason in Wichita, Kansas. <laughs> and they heard us all speaking in their language. It would, they would be bewildered and amazed. And you know you would too. Let's keep going. It says, when they heard this sound, they came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it? that each of us hears them in our native tongue. And then it goes to list about 12 to 13 different countries. And I'm not going to read those. And then it says we hear them declaring, down in verse 11, declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they've had too much wine to drink, Right? They weren't curious. They just said they had too much wine to drink. Well, let's turn back. And let's look at Acts, or in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, or chapter 12, verse 1. And then we're going to just hit a couple different verses. We're not going to read the whole chapter. Verse 1 of First Corinthians that Paul wrote, chapter 1, or chapter 12, verse 1, says, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. The Apostle Paul didn't want us to be uninformed. There's no need to be uninformed about this gift, but some of us may be uninformed today. Then it moves on, and we jump to verses 4 through 11, and God's Word says this, and Paul wrote this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So we're given, spirit, we're given spiritual gifts for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge. Now, these are spiritual gifts. They're not, they're not just you have knowledge, you have wisdom. No, God gives you these things To meet a particular need then it keeps going by means of the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by that one spirit to another miraculous powers to another prophecy to another distinguishing or discerning between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues and to still another the interpretation of those tongues all these are the work of one Of One in the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. This letter to the Corinthian church was written many years later, right, than the book of Acts. And so it continues. This work of the spirit continues. And then in verses 27 through 31, Now you are the body of Christ, Paul says, all of us. And each one of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing and of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Well, obviously no. Are all prophets? Obviously no. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Well, no. Do all interpret? No. Now eagerly desire the greater gifts, Paul writes. So there's just a little survey of the flagship scripture. Paul continues to talk about the gift of tongues through 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and 14. Um, We may dance into that a little bit. But I want you to walk with me through these different parts of these chapters that we read. And we want to answer the first question, what did the coming of the Holy Spirit and the outpouring of the gifts of speaking in, in a spiritual language previously unknown, and it happened at Pentecost, what did that mean? See, what did that mean? Well, I'm going to give you just a bit of a history lesson. Uh, Grant's not the only one that does history studies, right? I'm just going to do just a little bit. Uh, the date of pentecost it was a jewish feast and it was held 50 days after passover okay then they counted 50 days it was a time to celebrate the first fruits of harvest at passover you took the first sheaf before the fruit was given and you offered that unto the lord but at pentecost you took the first fruit from that sheaf or from another sheaf right and presented those first fruits to the Lord. And that's where we got first fruits belong to the Lord because he's Lord of all. That really pertains even to our tithing and our giving of our own income. First fruits belong to the Lord. And that's what happened at Pentecost. The Jewish tradition taught that Pentecost commemorated the day when the law was given to Israel. The Jews sometimes called it and I'm going to get this wrong, Shem, Shemchath Torah, or the joy of the law, because it commemorated the day the law was given to the nation of Israel. So on the Old Testament day of Pentecost, Israel received the law, and on the New Testament day of Pentecost, the church received the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of grace in fullness. It was a new covenant, Do you see. It was appropriate that it came on that day. Under the Old Covenant Followers and worshipers worshiped, served, and kept God's law on their own strength and by their own wits. It was insufficient. It was dead. It was supposed to only be a tutor. There was no power to cleanse the soul and sacrifice of animals. But in this new covenant, the power, the dynamic wisdom and counsel, the gifts of the Spirit were given to motivate, to guide, and empower followers, to worship the Lord now. You didn't do it because you had to, you do it because it just naturally was what you're going to do because you're filled with the Spirit and because you came into relationship with Jesus. And so this new covenant and this Pentecost signaled this, that there's a new way to worship, a new way to serve, a new way to witness in power, to grow in holiness because God had given it. And in the manifestation of this gift of tongues, See, on this day of Pentecost, when the Spirit came, this 120 who gathered, they gathered in prayer, and when that that gift of tongues came upon them, they declared God's wonder and His goodness back to God in 120 different foreign languages, and it came as a result of the filling of the Spirit. And so they got a glimpse that this new covenant Really was not like the old covenant. The old covenant was only for the Jews and for God's people. This new covenant was for everyone. Every people group, every language group, this new covenant was for Jews and Gentiles alike. It was the fulfillment of the prophecy, the promise and prophecy declared in Joel chapter 2, verses 28 through 32. In fact, Peter quotes Joel 2 in his message that just follows this passage that we read in Acts chapter 2. The gospel, the kingdom, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the power, the gifts to witness for Jesus, they're for everyone now, not just the Jews. They're for everyone now. They're for you. They're for me. They're for anyone who will receive them. Anyone who is open to them. They won't be forced upon you. But if you wait for them in prayer and you look for them, they'll come. They'll come. The old covenant is gone, the new covenant has come. It has come. And that's the first thing we've got to get from this passage. Have you and I waited for the, like the first disciples waited? Have we waited for the promise and power of the Spirit? Have we trusted? trusted the promise of the Father that he gave to us, that it will come? Are we witnessing and serving now in the power of the Spirit, under the motivation of the Spirit, under the overflow of this promise? Or are we still living and serving and worshiping under the old covenant way? Are we? Are we? See, next week, I'm really excited about this message, because it's going to be a little, it's going to be awesome, but it's going to be a kick in the pants for all of us, and it's going to hopefully launch us into something, a a new era of revival. But today, we're going to stick with this. Are you in the old covenant, are you in the new covenant now? And if you are in the new covenant, are you living in the new covenant? Are you keeping pace with the Spirit? Are you serving and loving him and worshiping him in power and truth, or are you going back to serving and worshiping just by your own strength and power? That's the first thing we need to see from this passage. Now we've got to move on to defining what this gift of tongues actually is. Here's a definition I'm going to put up on the board. You can write it, take a picture of it, do whatever you want. It'll be up there for a little bit. I'll give you time to see it, read it ahead of me. Here's the the definition of the gift of tongues. You may or may not have heard it this way, depending upon your own theological upbringing, but here is the definition of the gift of tongues. It's a personal prayer language. It's given by God, and it's given both to edify the receiver and to praise and declare the wonders of God with God, and it comes beyond the limits of natural knowledge or understanding. It is given. It is bestowed. That is the gift of tongues. Okay? You may have heard other definitions. You may even heard me talk about the fact that there are, are three different types of tongues. Well, really, there are tongues that might be used in three different circumstances. Uh, but I no longer believe there's three different types because of my study of Scripture. You you, you sometimes have to amend what you thought about things, and you've got to take a look at the original languages. And and I'm here to tell you, and I'm probably getting ahead of myself, that the same word that was used in Acts 2 is the same one in in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14, when it talks about time. It is a gift given from God himself, and it's a prayer language. That's what it is. All spiritual gifts, including the gift of tongues, are for this, though. And here's a little thing you can add to your definition. All spiritual gifts, including the gift of tongues, are a path to intimacy with God. They're a path for loving Him and loving others in practical service. That's what they're given for. They're given so you can be more of a giver like God. They're given so that your faith can grow and you can give more and walk more in that faith. They're not just given, so you just exercise them and you got a gift. whoop de doo No. They have a purpose. They have a purpose. Now, I want to go on to talk about something. The crowd heard the Christians speaking, the wonderful works of God, and they were all amazed and perplexed. And some used it as an honest inquiry, asking, what could this mean? I hope that's what you're asking right now. I do. Instead of saying, well, Pastor Kelly's had too much wine to drink. Not anymore I don't (laughs) that might have been way back when but that's not now I've only had coffee and not enough so (laughs) I still want more they also looked at these Galileans and they said this Galileans were known for being uncultured poor speakers Um, they were impressed (laughs) at their ability to speak so eloquently because they were known for that. Galileans had difficulty pronouncing guttural sounds and they often let syllables just kind of fall off the end. So they weren't great speakers. They were looked down upon by the people of Jerusalem and they, were, they would often call them provincial. If somebody calls you provincial, you know what they're saying? Well, bless your heart. That's what they're saying. Well, aren't you quaint? right that's what they're saying and that's what they used to say about these Galileans so they were going what does this mean how, how, what's going on here what's going on here people still ask that question today see there's no controversy whatsoever that God didn't at one time give the gift of tongues to his people because he did it right here but some of the the major question really is is what's God's purpose for the gift of, of tongues today or what was it then I'm here to tell you, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says that it was a sign for unbelievers. I think it is. But some will say, well, it was a sign for unbelievers, and it was a sign for the time where these these disciples miraculously communicated the Gospels in diverse language to different language people groups. But since we don't need that anymore, and that sign was for that day to establish the church, we we no longer need this gift. That gift's gone by the wayside. That gift kind of faded out and it wasn't used anymore. Uh, that's not true, but that's what people say. Others argue that the gift of tongues, while assigned to unbelievers, was also, according to 1 Corinthians 14, it's a primary gift of communication between believer and God. And it's a gift still given today. It is a gift still given today but it's a prayer language I want you to notice something the people heard the disciples speaking these languages and they heard them speaking the wonders of God in their own native tongue they declared his praise Uh, what the group heard they merely overheard the disciples worshiping the Lord and praising and blessing him that's what they heard these disciples were not discipling them or these disciples were not trying to reach him for Jesus. These disciples were in worship. Blessed of God, experiencing God in his goodness, his tangible presence, in power and in reality, and were giving that praise back to God as he gave them ability. And that's what they heard. That's what they heard and that's what drew drew them To the disciples. The crowd had a common language. You know what it was? It was Greek. And that's why when Peter, in the next passage after this one, preaches a whole message to him, and what's he preaching to him in? Greek. Why didn't he use one of the spiritual languages or tongues? Well, it's because it's not for evangelism. It's for praise and worship. It's for edifying yourself, but also edifying God and blessing God and being a conduit for his praise to this planet. It's not what we thought. So tongues has an important place, but here tongues has an important place in the devotional life of the believer, not so much in the gathering of the church. In fact, when it gathers in the church and if tongues are expressed, there needs to be an interpreter that expresses it because that prayer and that praise is directed to God. And so if anybody is going to be edified by that there has to be somebody who interprets that and gives and receives the spiritual gift to interpret that. Therefore, tongues are not exercised all that much in the church. In the early church they said if you gather, you might have one or two and then, you know, speak in a tongue and then you have an interpreter. You can do that if God so deems it and if you feel it's appropriate. But it took a much more minor role than we might think. But it still had a role in the church. So speaking in other tongues, speaking these spiritual languages, it's the same word, the same gift in Acts 2 as it is in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, and 14. And and so that is important to note. Now another thing is this. There are some folks who feel the pressure in some denominations that if I'm filled with the Spirit, I, I have to speak in another tongue. And that's what they say, because that's what they're taught. And so they feel the pressure to speak in another tongue because they want to convince themselves they're filled with the Spirit, or they want to not feel embarrassed. They want to convi- convince other people they're filled with with the Spirit. Um, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And so it's caused other people to say, well, these people are just speaking gibberish. This isn't a true spiritual language. It's not of God. That happens. It does happen. I've witnessed it. Uh, I know it happens. I have also know that the devil can give you a spiritual language. Did you know that? Well, I'm not going to go into that. I'm not going to we're not going to talk further into that I'm just going to state that just because you've got a spiritual language doesn't make you uh, a kingdom uh, Christian or a spirit-filled Christian who's following Jesus any more than having speaking the English language makes you a citizen of the United States or makes you a person who's really living by its laws or by its creeds right so spiritual gifts do not give you spiritual credibility They don't. And so we need to be mindful of that. But just because a person is speaking a language that's not known to you, that doesn't mean that that language is not known to somewhere, someone, or some people. Right? There were 120 people there. You know how many languages there are on the earth earth right now? Does anybody? You can throw it out if you know. How many? Huh? Yell it. Did somebody know? So there's, there's many. There are many 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 languages. I don't know the number. Huh? I don't know the answer. Somebody can Google it. How many? Woo! Good job, Lane. Oh, that are a lot of languages, <coughs> right? So that means that some of these people, there were only 12 or 13 people groups that they listed in Acts 2, right? So only those people heard him, but if there were 120 that got spiritual languages, there were a lot of languages that nobody knew what it was. And it could have easily sounded like gibberish. Have you ever heard, now I love, I love the Chinese language, but man, to my Western ears, I've thought that has got to be by far the hardest language to ever learn. So hard, they say English is hard to learn. Oh no, it's it's so simple for me to speak English. I can't do it correctly, but I can speak it. But I oftentimes, if my Western ears, I hear hear a Chinese dialect, and I'm like, what? So see, it cannot sound right. It could sound like it's unintelligible. But it's still an authentic language. And it speaks. It speaks. And many of those people on that day probably had a language like that, that they declared God's praises. And nobody could understand it. So, we have to regard that the gift in Acts 2 and the gift of 1 Corinthians, they're the same. And they are the same. And and the spiritual language that is given is a prayer language. And it's really important to keep that straight. It's a prayer language from the believer to God. That's what the language is about. Well, I want to, before we get too far, because I'm going to have to keep going, I want to talk about some misconceptions about spiritual languages, and the gift of tongues. It's a gift for today. It's a prayer language. But there are some things that have become real stumbling blocks for people. The first one is this. Speaking with tongues is neither unbiblical nor outdated. The majority of Christian theologians, biblical expositors, they've argued for the timeliness of the availability of this spiritual language in worship and prayer. So it has a leg to stand on. Great Christian leaders of the past and of the present have been used by God to bring great revivals or great blessings, such as John and Charles Wesley and many other modern-day folks, because they've experienced this gift and they've given it credibility. And we still sing their hymns today, Charles, Wesley, and John's, don't we? They were, the, they were the pioneers of the Methodist church. I'm not sure if tongues is experienced much in Methodist church. Any Methodists out there that know? Okay. Okay. I didn't really expect an answer, but thank you, Heather. <laughs> That's true. It's true. It's true. And Jason, I pretty much said that for Jason's benefit, because Jason grew up Methodist. I don't mean to slam Methodist. I'm sorry. I don't, that wasn't my idea. So this idea of not needed or early church only, it it cannot be found in God's word, especially not in the Corinthians book or in Acts, either one. So it is a legitimate gift, and it's biblical. It's not outdated. Here's the second thing. Speaking with tongues is not necessarily an emotional or otherworldly experience. It's not necessarily that. God's gifts are supernatural, but his ways of working them out are not weird or bizarre. They just aren't. That's not God's way. God is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. God will never dominate us. He never wants to. He always invites us and welcomes us. He's not going to take us over. The evil one is the one who dominates and controls and tries to abuse and use you. But but God himself will not do that. To speak in tongues is not to cast off all control of your mind or your body or emotions, nor is it to indulge your body or emotions to some point of spastic or goofy antics. It's not to do that either. Now, there are some who are filled with God's goodness and love, and they, they just they don't have much maturity. They don't have much emotional stability. And so it, it comes out of them very bizarre, right? And I've, I've had those experiences where I'm turning around, I'm looking at him, and I'm telling him, dude, get a handle on it. You know? Because it was so obnoxious and annoying, it was incredible. Right? God doesn't do that. We do those things. Next, the exercise of the gift, like any other gift, involves a conscious choice of your will to allow God's assistance to take you beyond your limits. See, but we don't surrender ourselves to some mystical trance-like trip into outer limits where we're like whoa no see the Holy Spirit doesn't do that because the Holy Spirit places this gift within us you just speak English do you think consciously about the words you're going to say before you say them well I know most some of you don't right (laughs) it's so immediate and quick to speak English isn't it you don't even know you're doing it it's just automatic well, when a gift of tongues is given to you, it's just like that. It's automatic. You don't have to even think about it. And that sometimes unnerves people, and they wonder whether that's, uh, that's legit. But I'm here to tell you, a gift that you received when you were young, if, if 30, 40, or 50 years later, you can still recite those words and pray that prayer, how in the world does that happen? Unless it was placed within you. I can't remember a whole lot I'm forgetting at 60. But I can still remember words that God gave me in prayer and it's just second nature because the Holy Spirit is there. So you figure that out. You, you tell me whether that's true or not or whether I'm a crackpot or not or or a cookie. It's God's choice. You, it, when you're given that gift, you can still speak that language and it's given for a reason. Number three, speaking with tongues is not a status symbol. It's not. In fact, it, it doesn't make you a first-class Christian and everyone else second-class because it's just a gift. Just like the gift of evangelism doesn't make you better than the person who has the gift of teaching or the person who has the gift of helps. So they're not lesser than the person who has the gift of mercy. Right? There are, they're just different gifts. They're different gifts, and God gives them for different reasons. Not everyone receives the gift as stated in 1 Corinthians passage. So, not everyone is supposed to have the gift of tongues. They are not. Paul even said that. Does everyone do this? Does everyone do that? Does everyone? No. So quit freaking out about it. Paul also said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. The Apostle Paul said that. Oh my gosh, he's scandalous. No, he's he's just a a genuine follower of Jesus. So it's a legitimate gift. And it's not the supreme evidence that a person is filled with the Spirit or walking by the Spirit. What is the, the supreme evidence? It's you practicing and growing in the fruit of the Spirit, which is talked about in Galatians 5. And love is the chief one of it. You growing in more love, having more love within you, having the power of love, serving from the power of love, and all the other fruits, the fruits of joy. Those are the evidence of the Spirit not speaking in tongues. I've known of people who spoke in tongues and had spiritual languages, and absolutely, that's all they had. And you didn't see Jesus in them. So it doesn't really witness of the presence of God. Right? And number four, speaking with tongues is not a substitute for spiritual growth, and I've kind of alluded to that. Growing to maturity as a Christian requires growing in practical knowledge of God, growing in his word, growing in trusting him and his promises and pursuing his character, as he described, his full character in 2 Peter 1, through 3-11. And I'm not going to read that passage, but you need to read it. 2 Peter 1, through 3-11. It talks there about what his divine power has done for us. And we need it to live a godly life. We need it to be able to operate in the gifts to his glory instead of to our own. So growing in maturity always involves close relationship with other believers who encourage and instruct and keep us accountable. And and that passage will allude to that too. So read that passage. Read that passage. So finally, this morning, speaking with tongues is not divisive. How many people have ever heard that said in the church? The gift of tongues is divisive. Wow, you guys aren't old enough. Do you know that my wife, yeah, you've heard it. My wife and I, I, we were were told that we were the devil if we ever taught on that. We were told that we were enemies of unity if we ever taught on that. Do you, do you think that shuts you up when you're young? It works, too. Because you feel like, wow, this is a hot topic. Why are people so freaked out about it? Well, it's because they don't know. There are a lot of neat jerk reactions. A lot of abuses that have occurred. And because of those abuses, people have thrown the baby out with the bathwater. Well, we, we had to grow through a lot of that. And we had to work through a lot of that. And now I know I have an opportunity to take all the, the garbage off. I'm safe. You can talk to me about your questions about it and I won't be alarmed. I don't have a bias about these gifts. I didn't grow up under a bias because I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up under studying the scriptures and then coming to God and letting God tell me and did I ever struggle with wondering whether the gifts God had given me I have a lot of different gifts you do too I struggled with every one of them whether they were from God and and I could operate in them every one of them not just the gift of spiritual languages because I I wasn't sure and I wasn't certain and I was insecure and I need to grow a lot so if you're doing that too that's okay but I'm here to tell you today this, this gift is not divisive. It's a beautiful experience when it's exercised by the guidelines of the Bible and used wisely. All spiritual gifts, including the gift of tongues, are a path to intimacy with God and for loving others and loving him in practical ways. Don't, don't exit out if God has given you it or if he wants to lead you in it. Don't minimize it. Paul says, do not forsake the speaking in tongues. because don't consider it wasteful even though it's not the top gift, don't toss it out. Because it's an avenue for intimacy with God. Wow. And you might be asking, and I I need to tell you here, what, what benefit does it give you? What benefit? How does it edify you? When God gives you a spiritual language like that, you think it's very easy to ever believe that your prayers don't matter? See, you begin to believe your prayers matter. They do, because God gave you a prayer language to use and to express your, your, your intercession with Him through it. Do, you ever, do you, ever, you ever wonder whether God is with you or cares? Or if God thinks you're worthy to, to, to be given gifts to or to follow? Well, you, you receive a gift, a well, lesser gift like that. You begin to believe that all gifts are possible because you operate... In faith. And, you, and you're seeking the Lord. It lets you know that spiritual things aren't done by your own power. They're not done because you're smarter or you've got the scientific method or you put together things right. They're done because the power of God is there and he says, I'm going to do them. And you begin to believe those things by faith. Because if God could give you this simple prayer language, God could do anything he wants to do. And you begin to believe that. There's so many things that can happen in this gift and that it affirms within you as a believer. You begin to believe your prayers matter. You begin to believe all people groups matter because whoever spoke that original language, God cares about them. Even though you may not have been ever given the gift of interpretation. And it becomes very dear to you. Though the gift of spiritual language is considered a lesser gift, it is still value, and it has an important role in God's body. There are so many more benefits. Paul exhorts us to desire all the gifts. My question to you this morning, are you open to receiving the gifts of tongues? I don't know about you, but I wanted to receive everything the Lord had for me. I wanted it all when I came to Jesus. And I kept searching to determine, am I in this? Do I got it all? And I've had no regrets. I hope you want it all, too. And if you you don't want it all, what are you still holding on to? What's causing you to hold back from the gifts of the Spirit or from the Holy Spirit filling you, from the Holy Spirit giving you avenues through which you can know Him better, love Him better, and serve other people better? What's keeping you from those things? Why don't you stand with me this morning? God is good. God is good. Let's pray for each other. Amen. Why don't you just put your hand on the person next to you as we declare our our solidarity with one another. Just put a hand somewhere on, on the person next to you and let's pray for each other. Lord Jesus, we pray that you would so move within our midst that we would not be afraid of your presence or your movement. God, where we have not been hunger, where we have not hunger and thirst for righteousness, where we've had just 50 cents of you in a brown paper sack, and we've been satisfied, God, get us unsatisfied. Because we know there's so much more for us. So much more. Blessing. So much more in the spiritual realm and the natural realm. If we would just open our hearts and minds to you. God, Pour out your spirit this morning on these people that have gathered in your name. You know the ones that are open and seeking you now. And give them all the gifts you want to give them. And give them no fear of having to grow in them or practice them. And let them know that they're not failures because they may not practice them well in the beginning. And, And that there is room to grow and to practice them. And so help them to grow and practice them. And help them to talk to others about the gifts you're giving them so that they can grow and understand and and learn to serve you through those gifts. So Holy Spirit, pour out your grace upon our body and then use us as a conduit of your grace to others around us. May we grow in intercession. May we grow in our prayer life. May we grow in our praise and worship life. May we grow in every other area of your life because your spirit has come and we've surrendered to you, and we've waited upon you, and we've trusted it, and we've received it. And so we love you, Lord, today, and we thank you for your word. Bless us as your church. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.